listening to the Miracle Word Podcast. We believe that the Word of God gives you the power to experience never-ending increase in every area. If you're ready for revelation that will take you to the next level, you're in the right place. Here's your host, evangelist, author, and founder of Miracle Word University, Ted Shuttlesworth Jr. All right, let's jump in today. Um, nine powerful and effective solutions for discouragement. Nine effective solutions for discouragement. You know, when the enemy tries to come in, you know, the Bible calls him the father of lies. That's who he is. He's a liar. And so he will lie to you and try to deceive you into quitting. Remember this, you know, back when I was on staff at my uncle's church, Dominion Christian Center, uh, we would play sports, team sports with the city, softball, basketball, all that. And um, I had a, 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 one of the men of our church, one of the, one of the head ushers, his name was, was Greg. And Greg would tell us, you know, very competitive. Greg's very competitive and very talented at sports. And uh, Greg would tell us, there's no one that can beat us but us. That's what Greg would tell us. Greg Colbreth, who I love, if anybody that's watching knows Greg, uh, Greg would say, there's nobody that can beat us, but us. That always stuck with me when he would say that nobody can beat us, but us. And I, I, I carry that thought process over that the devil cannot defeat you. Think about this. The devil cannot defeat you. He has no authority over you whatsoever. No authority over the believer. I taught on it yesterday, I taught on spiritual authority, that all authority has been given unto you through Jesus Christ. He always gives us the victory. How does it, God has given it to us through Jesus Christ, 1 Corinthians 15 and verse 57. And so we don't have, the devil doesn't have dominion or authority over us, we've got authority over him and every demon. So the devil can't defeat you. So what does he try to do instead? He tries to deceive you into believing that he can defeat you and that you're already finished so that you give up. That's, that's the ploy. He deceives you into believing that you're already defeated and that you can't win so that you will give up because nobody can defeat you but you. If Christ has given you authority, if the Lord has given you victory, then the devil has no ability whatsoever to stop you, to take you out. And so he lies and he lies and he lies to God's people to try to get them to quit. He's done it to me many times. If you've ever been, I mean, if you've been a Christian for any period of time, he's lied to you. He's tried to deceive you. He's tried to discourage you, but it's a lie. And it's good to to remember it is a lie. Anything that comes to you that contradicts the mighty word of God about you is a lie. And you don't receive it. You don't receive it. If the devil tries to tell you, you're a failure. There's no way that you can be a failure because you've already conquered through Jesus Christ and you're a part of his body. So how can you be a failure when you've already won? Tells you, uh, you know, you don't have value. You know, that you're worthless. How could it be possible for you to be worthless and have no value when Christ is the one who gave you value, how could you be worthless or have no value when Jesus Christ himself purchased you 
with his own precious blood. And that's what we're, of course, celebrating today on Good Friday. The blood was shed. The sacrifice was given. Jesus was and is the Passover lamb, the eternal Passover lamb. So with that blood that was paid for you, how could you be worthless when we know how much we have the receipt, if you will? Love you, Myrna. How could we look at that and say, I'm worthless, when we know how much was paid for you? We have the receipt. Amen. And the receipt shows the amount that was paid, the precious blood of Jesus Christ. And it's yours. That's your value. That's your worth. And now your body is literally a vessel that holds the Holy Spirit. How could you be worthless? How could you? I, rather than that, you're priceless. You're priceless because of what Jesus did. And so these are lies that come to every believer, try to make you give up before you've accomplished your purpose, make you give up before you finished your goal, your task, you completed your calling, run your race, finished your course, like Paul said. Don't give up and don't be discouraged and don't let the lies of the devil derail you from doing what you're called to do. Love you, Roger. And so uh, let me give you these nine things that'll help you. These are uh, powerful, effective solutions and practical. I think that's what I like about them and they're practical, practical solutions. So number one, you can take notes, you can put them in the comments for me. Number one, look back at what God's done already and focus on something to thank him for. When you feel discouraged, look back and find something to thank God for. Look back and find something that he's already accomplished. That's number one. Find something that he's already accomplished and focus on it. Put your focus on it and thank him for it. Begin to just start thanking God that he's already worked in your life. Morning, Colleen and Ed. Psalm 150, praise the Lord. Praise God in his sanctuary. Morning, Gabriel. Praise him in his mighty heavens. Praise him for his mighty deeds. That's, there's the command right there. Praise him for his mighty deeds. One translation says his mighty acts of greatness. Praise him for his mighty acts of greatness. Praise him according to his excellent greatness. Right? And so we're commanded to praise him for the things he has done. The things he's completed. The things he's accomplished. Praise him for his mighty deeds. Thank him. You know, you can look back. I'm sure there's everybody watching and listening could look back at something that you know that Jesus did for you. That you've got a testimony. Even if it's just one, grab a hold of it and begin to take time thanking God for it. Hallelujah. And I don't care how old it is. That, that part does not matter. Well, I, I do have something, but it, it happened 25 years ago. That doesn't matter. The age of your testimony never matters. You know why? Because your testimony has no expiration date. Get that in your spirit. Your testimony has no expiration date. I can tell you that when I begin to give testimonies when I'm preaching of things that I know God has done for me, it doesn't matter how long ago it took place. For example, sometimes I'll give the testimony of what God did for Madeline in the hospital. That was 10 years ago. That's a decade old. 
But when I tell that testimony, I still, to this day, feel the same anointing come on me that I felt when we had the miracle happen in the hospital. Because your testimony has no expiration date. And every time you give it, what are you doing? Giving thanks to God for something he's already accomplished. You can still feel that same anointing, that same power of what God did. That's why the story of what God's done in your life is so vital and so powerful. Nobody can take it away from you. Nobody, nobody can argue you out of it. I don't care how many unbelievers. You know, somebody tried to get on the broadcast one time while I was teaching. And I was giving the, the story of what God did for my daughter. And uh, the person started contradicting me in the comments. I can tell you're lying. I can tell this is a made-up story. I'd like to know what hospital did it take place at? What was the name of the doctor? Like, totally. Total unbelief. Well, I don't care. I don't care how much you disagree with my story. I don't care how much you don't think it happened. I was there. (laughs) I was there. It's my family. I talked to the doctor. I was at the hospital. I'm the one who was fasting and praying with my wife. I'm the one who was anointing with oil. So I don't care if there's a hundred people that stand in front of me and say, I don't believe that happened. I don't care if you believe it or not. It's not about whether you believe it or not. It's my testimony. (laughs) And my testimony produces my own rejoicing, produces my own thanksgiving, produces my own praise. I could care less if people believe it or not. It's not about whether they believe it. It's about whether you know God did it. And if you know God did it, praise God, get ready to thank him. Get ready to praise him. Colleen, I don't have time to read that entire paragraph right now, but text it to us or email it because I do want to read it because I can see it's a, it's a testimony. So please send it to me, Colleen. But you got a number one, and I put this in, put this in the comments of you. Find something to praise God for. Look back in your past, find your testimony, and begin to praise God. Begin to praise God. Well, why? Because as you praise him, as you thank him, Thanksgiving is uh, vital. Thanksgiving is vital. As you thank God, it opens the door for him to do even more in your life. Even more in your life. You know, one of the things I found very interesting studying the New Testament was the story of the 10 lepers who came to Jesus. Um, and when, it, and, and when, this, um, when this story took place, nine of them kept on going to the high priest. But one returned to do what? To give thanks. One leper returned to give thanks. And I was even reading some scholarly commentary. They said there's clearly something that took place for this one man that did not take place for the other nine. He got an additional blessing, according to the text of the story. Got an additional blessing Why? Because of his thanksgiving. Hallelujah. Because of what? His thanksgiving. It'll unlock it. It'll unlock it for you. And so, take time to thank God for what he's already done. Number two, the second thing, that you want to do when the enemy tries to discourage you. 
is, and this is vital, you should be doing this every day. In fact, if you'll do this every day, it can also keep you from discouragement. But pray in the Holy Ghost. Pray in the Holy Ghost. Take time to pray in the Spirit. That's number two. Take time to pray in the Holy Ghost. Well, why do we do that? What's so important about praying in the Holy Ghost? Well, Paul taught about this. And Paul said that in in the fourth verse of the 14th chapter of 1 Corinthians, the one who speaks in a tongue builds up himself, but the one who prophesies builds up the church. So something is taking place when you pray in the Spirit that is edifying you, encouraging you, building you up, according to Paul. Uh, Jude verse 20, the Bible says you're building yourself up on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost. So there's, a, there's an, uh, an element of encouragement and building up of the faith you already have, stirring it up, preparing it for action. Uh, it benefits you. When you pray in the Holy Ghost, it's stirring your spirit up. It's stirring your spirit up. And I'm sure by the raising of your hand in the chat, there's people that as soon as you've begun to pray in the Holy Ghost, you can feel that encouragement hit you. You can feel the anointing begin to manifest in your, in your life. I'd, I'd be interested to see that those of you that put your hand up, that you know that happens for you. When you begin to pray in the Spirit, you immediately feel that spiritual boost. You feel that encouragement, edification. Happens for me. Every time I do it, I feel the power of God. And I, I know we don't go by how we feel. But I'll tell you what, it is nice to feel it sometimes. (laughs) See all the hands going up? Those listening to the podcast, you know, when you begin to pray in the Holy Ghost, things happen. Stirs you up. Encourages you. It's a benefit to the believer. It's a benefit to the believer. And so you need to begin to pray in the Holy Ghost. Set yourself a goal. I would encourage you to do this. Set yourself a goal of how long each day you'd like to pray in the Holy Spirit. Say it's 30 minutes. Go on a 30-minute walk. Put yourself in your office for 30 minutes. Go into your bedroom for 30 minutes. Shut off all of the um, distractions, whatever they may be. Put everything on do not disturb. And just pray in the Holy Ghost for those 30 minutes. Just begin to pray. Just begin to pray. Hallelujah. And get stirred up. Take a drive. That's right. Just watch the foot on the pedal because you can start praying the Holy Ghost, get a little excited, and all of a sudden there's flashing blue lights. And then when the officer comes to your window, he doesn't understand. You're like, man, I was having a praise break uh, up in this vehicle. I don't hear you in that officer outfit. They They don't care. They give you a ticket just the same as if you weren't having a praise break. Apparently, all these states making it hard to have a praise break in your car. I got a ticket one time with two tickets within like 15 minutes of each other. <laughs> we were coming over from a meeting. We had praise music blasting. And we hit one of those areas where there's a lot of speed traps. And I wasn't even realizing it. But man, we were praising God and I got a little heavy on the dancing foot, on the gas pedal. The officers didn't care. It's like, officer... 
Don't you know that God inhabits the praises of his people? What's your problem? I'm sitting here trying. They don't care. The state troopers don't take praise break as an excuse. So be careful if you're doing the drive, but pray in the Holy Ghost and watch what God will do. It'll encourage you. It'll edify you. It'll, it'll cause you. Uh, I like this phrase. Uh, I like the phrase where the Bible says uh, that David encouraged himself in the Lord. I like that. You can encourage yourself in the Lord. You don't have to wait for somebody else to encourage you. You can encourage yourself in the Lord as you pray in the Holy Spirit. It's a tool that God's given you uh, to build yourself up. Build yourself up. That's number two. Number three, um, here's something I love. If the enemy has tried to discourage you, call somebody up. Don't even text them. Call somebody up and start to encourage them. This is number three. Let me tell you something. This is effective. This is effective and practical. Call somebody up. I mean, if you're one of those people that you have to text, text them. But call somebody up and just start to encourage them. Hey, I was just thinking about you. And uh, I just want to call and tell you, man, God's really using you. You're great. I'm so glad you're my friend. I thank God for your life. You know, you're very effective at what you do. Call somebody up and encourage them. Encourage them. Build them up. Stir them up. You say, why do you say that? I'm the one that needs encouragement. Yes. Yes. But there's a principle that we can find in the scripture. It's found in Proverbs chapter 11. I want to read it to you. Proverbs chapter 11, and uh, it's in verse 25. Listen to this. Whoever brings blessing will be enriched, and one who waters will himself be watered. Listen to the New Living Translation. The generous will prosper, and those who refresh others will themselves be refreshed. Those who refresh others will themselves be refreshed. You see that? And so I'm encouraging you. If, if you feel the enemy trying to discourage you, come against you, call somebody up and start to encourage them. Start to refresh them. Or as the ESV says, begin to water them. If you got to text seven people, text them. Text them how much you appreciate them. How much you appreciate what God's doing in their life and using them to do and accomplish. How you much you appreciate their gifts and talents and abilities. And, and just begin to encourage them. Encourage them. And watch. As you start to encourage people, the Bible says those who refresh others will themselves be refreshed. Hallelujah. There's something that happens within you. As you can even begin to see or hear the impact you're making on somebody else. Wow. Thanks a lot. I appreciate you calling me. I, I was, you know, I was really going through it today. This call means a lot. You, you really changed my day. You know, this, this really made my day that you called and said this to me. When you start to see how others are being impacted by you as you're encouraging others, it encourages you. Be that one that's not always looking for help, but somebody that is pushing out and watering others, refreshing others. Be a source of other people's refreshment. That's good. Be a source of other people's refreshment. Thank you, Jesus. What a testimony. Shelly says, I had surgery in August. I've been in pain ever since. The doctor said, there's nothing more we can do for you. I went to the altar when you were at Lakeside 
and you prayed over me and I was asking the Lord for healing. I've been pain-free ever since, thanks to the Lord. We give Jesus praise. What a phenomenal testimony, Shelly. I love it. I love it. Praise God. Encourage somebody. Encourage somebody. And as you do, watch as you are encouraged. And the discouragement has to go. Number four. Here's an important one. You ready for this? Most people aren't ready for this one. Rest. Rest yourself. Number four. Take a rest. (laughs) One of the reasons some people get discouraged is because they're tired. They're overtired. They're trying to do too much. They feel bombarded. They feel overwhelmed. And then they get discouraged. Rest yourself. Let me tell you, after God worked for six days, he set the standard for you. He rested. He didn't even rest because he didn't need rest. You think God needs rest? You think he got tired? No. The Bible says he does not sleep, nor does he slumber. He, he didn't need rest. He took rest to give an example to us. Rest yourself. Rest yourself. There's people that aren't getting enough sleep. There's people that are not taking time for themselves. And I'm going to show you this. This is a scriptural principle. You need to rest. The Bible says in Psalm 127 and verse number two, that God actually gives his loved ones rest. And this translation says sleep. He gives to his beloved sleep. One translation said rest. People are working in vain. They're anxious in vain. They're doing all this stuff in their flesh. And they're worn out. They're burnt out. Rest yourself. Rest yourself. Um, The Lord dealt with me heavily about this one time because I was just, I wasn't properly resting myself. And at a young age, fully burnt out, feeling burnt out, not rested. And uh, the Lord not only rebuked me, you know, he said something to me when I was getting ready for a service and I was totally worn out. Had I was just really praying, oh God, give me a word for your people. And I was tired and I was burnt out. And the Lord said something to me that changed me. He said, you know, you're not my only worker, which struck me in the face. It was like, what? Because I thought I was, you know, doing good to like run as hard as I could. Jesus is coming soon. You know, God said, you're not my only worker. And then he said this, which changed my life. He said, I love you more than what you can do for me. I love you more than what you can do for me. That changed me. And then he, he led me by his spirit to Mark chapter six and showed me something that I'd never seen before in this way. And, he, and I read it through and he spoke to me through this passage. Mark chapter six and verse 30. Listen to this. The apostles returned to Jesus and told him all that they had done and taught. And he said to them, now look at this. They were, they were coming back. Lord, you're the one that sent us out. Here's everything we've done. Here's all the miracles that have happened. Here's all the demons that have come out. Here's all we've done. Here's all we've taught. And he said to them, come away by yourselves to a desolate place and rest a while. For many were coming and going and they had no leisure even to eat. And they went away in the boat to a desolate place by themselves. Notice, 
he's the one that sent them out. And after they came back from doing what he called them to do, they gave him the testimonies. He didn't even reference the testimonies. He just said, now rest. Now rest. You know, he did, you know what he didn't do? He didn't say, good, now get back out there. Because the you know, kingdom of God is coming. You better get out. There's work to be done. Work while it's yet. No. He said, now that you've done it, rest. Now that you've done it, rest. Hallelujah. What's up, Kristen? So, you know, it's like we just finished 21 days straight preaching. 21 services, four states, three straight weeks every single night preaching the gospel. I come home. Of course, we're still working. We're still doing these broadcasts. But I'm taking my time to rest for two weeks. We got camp meeting coming up. I don't feel bad. I used to feel bad about resting. I don't feel bad. I understand it. That if, you, if the devil can wear you out, he can discourage you. A lot of people, they get discouraged because they're overtired. They've not honored God with their body. They've not honored God by taking care of his temple. And so because they don't rest, <clears throat> the devil can discourage them. They start to feel overwhelmed. They start to feel burnout. They start to feel like quitting because they don't, they don't properly rest. They don't properly rest. And the Bible tells us and shows us in the pattern that we need to rest. There is a Sabbath for every, you know, if, if the Lord made that a, a rule for his people, I like that Ashley said that. Rest is part of the hustle. I love it. Rest is part of the hustle. Yes, we're diligent. Yes, we're faithful. Yes, we're going at it for God. But we also, in that, we rest. We rest. That's right. I actually wrote that down, sissy, in my notes. When you're not rested, when you're exhausted, it affects your mind and your body. So never make decisions in that state. Never make decisions in the state of overtired, overwhelmed, exhausted, burnout. Don't make decisions in that state. Rest yourself first before you make any of those decisions. Never make decisions when you're tired. Never make decisions when you're burnt out, when, you're, when you feel like giving up. Don't do that. Number five, put it in the comments. Clean up. <laughs> put that in the comments this is, this is important people don't quite hear this often enough if you feel discouraged this is an interesting thing actually clean up I was re recently reading some of these things it was, it was blowing my mind um, one of the things that causes overwhelm one of the things that causes stress, one of the things that causes um, people to be feel over, burnt out and, and you know discouraged, there's just everything around them is in chaos. Everything, including themselves, clean up. You ever notice that people they get all discouraged and then they're all they do they're hanging around. They got the, and listen, I'm not. There's no condemnation of those in Christ Jesus. I love a good pair of sweatpants and Crocs. Don't. Okay, so don't be, don't be uh, discouraged. But let me say this. Let me say this. This is, a, this is a true principle that I've seen it. 
You need to remove the things around you that are causing chaos and causing stress. You know, I was, I was listening to them talk about, <clears throat> I was reading one book on success. They say one of the reasons that the, the military, uh, first thing you do, obviously, is to make your bunk. Everything's clean, everything's tidy first thing in the morning. It sets the tone for the whole rest of your day. It sets the tone for the rest of your day. They tell you, let that be the first thing you do. Get out of your bed and make it. Get out of your bed and make it. Let that first small accomplishment set the tone for the rest of the day. If you've got stuff cluttered, if you've got stuff unclean, clean it. Clean it up. And let that organizational thing. See, that's, that's actually, God's not into chaos. God's quite the opposite. God's a creator. God's an organizer. God's into details. It affects you. Everything's in chaos. Everything. My wife can tell you. If things ever get like that, she can't even rest properly. She does not like it. She does not like it. She will not sit down to rest until we have that around us. And, and that's, that's a godly principle. That's a godly principle. Clean yourself up. You know, it's, it's no surprise to me that when people fall into deep depression, you'll find people that, you know, they don't shower, they don't get out of their pajamas. You know, put something on. I don't care if you have anywhere to go or not. Dress for where you want to be. People say, that stuff doesn't matter. Oh, it matters. It matters. Because it affects how you feel about yourself. I mean, how many have ever put out an outfit to go out? You know, whether, it, I don't even care if it's for church or a, a dinner or a graduation, whatever. You've put on, you've dressed up to go out and you immediately start to feel better. You're like, man, now that, we're, now that, we're, now that I got this, let's go, let's go do something. Let's go, you know, you've, it affects your mindset. It absolutely affects your mindset. Though I don't have any of the statistics in front of me, they have done studies on this psychologically and cleanliness, organization, and keeping yourself in order makes all the difference. Makes all the difference in the world. Clean up. You know, keep the stuff around you. I can tell you for sure. You know what's interesting? I was reading about how people fall into those, those states, right? And it, my, it blows my mind. It came really down to three things. Three things that, and they're simple things, but I was looking at this. They're like, man, a lot of people are dealing with this uh, throughout our generation, this discouragement, depression, anxiety, all this stuff. And they said, you know, really three things would change that. And uh, if people would do them, but most people don't do them on a daily basis. Um, one is to keep your heart moving. Whether that's a brisk walk for 30 minutes, very easy to do. I mean, like you don't even have to walk that fast to be out and making your heart work. People live a sedentary lifestyle and then it affects your life. It affects your mind. It affects your body. Number two, sunlight. People locked in an office all day with fluorescent lighting. This is, I'm telling, I'm telling you stuff that'll affect you. Vitamin D that God created for your body. (laughs) Sunlight, get out into the sun for 30 minutes a day, they say. So combine those two things. 30 minutes of walking, 30 minutes in the sun. And then one of the things they say is that people don't sleep like they should sleep. 
They don't sleep long enough. And that's taking a toll on people's minds in our generation. We've extended our day because of, you know, since all these things have happened, industrial revolution, electricity, we've now extended our day to where people used to go to bed when the sun went down. And now people are up all hours of the night. They don't sleep enough. People are trying to run on four hours of sleep. You know, you know, all this stuff. You need to sleep. It affects your whole body. It's a healing process. It's a healing process. And then number four, it's four things actually. It's, and the other thing was your diet. People said, <clears throat> the things that we put into our bodies, processed, nasty stuff, tons of sugar, tons of high fructose corn syrup, all of these different things, and it's playing a part on people's minds, and people don't even realize it. And I was, read, I was reading that, that if people would just do those four things every day, do those four things every day, get into the sun, get some natural vitamin D, do, work your heart, get your heart and your body moving. Eat properly, sleep properly. Those four things, I mean, literally outside of just the Christian perspective, those four things would change your entire life. People don't even know it. People don't even know it because they want you to think, well, you need pills or you need a prescription or you have this problem and you need to go to the doctor and you need to have this. You need, you need counseling. You need, you, and literally just doing the basic things would help you a hundred percent. And it doesn't, there's a fog that leaves your brain. I promise you, there is a fog that leaves your brain when you work yourself. Get the proper stuff. I mean, God created this body. He knows what it needs. He knows what it needs. Clean up and change. Change some of these things and watch what it'll do even for your spirit man. It's, it's actually amazing. God didn't create your three-part being to operate independently of each other. They work together, spirit, soul, and body. That's why you crucify the flesh and you renew the mind and you yield to the spirit. They work together. Clean up. Number six, are you ready for this? This is a good one. Make progress on your goals no matter how small. Make some progress. Now, one of the reasons people may feel discouraged is they don't know where they're going. They don't even have goals. So that's, I'm assuming, if you're part of this victory tribe, I'm assuming that you're somebody that's already got goals for your life. You know what you're supposed to be doing. And if not, pray and fast and get your direction from the Lord. But then once you have it, make progress no matter how small. Put it in the comments. Number six, make progress no matter how small. You know, one of the things that, sh- that uh, kind of shook me, <clears throat> I don't know, a decade and a half ago, or maybe longer than that, I first got a hold of uh, some books by an author, Dave Ramsey. Some of you may not may know who he is. And uh, when I looked at the way that he recommended for people to get out of debt, it was surprising to me. Because most people that would just use their, uh, you know, logical sense to make the choices, well, if I've got five credit cards, which credit card should I pay off first? Well, most people would think, well, the one with the highest interest rate. You know, if I got if I got three credit cards that have a four percent interest rate, and I got one that's got a twenty percent interest rate, I better knock that one out first. But surprisingly, he doesn't recommend that. Surprisingly, he recommends to pay off the one that has the smallest balance first. I had never seen that before. He said, don't go for the largest interest rate. Go for the smallest balance. And line them up that way 
and pay them off in that order. And I thought, wow, why would he say that? So I started to read and research what his thought process was. And he said, you know, uh, getting out of debt, and I can't remember his percentage ratio, it was like 10-90. He said it's like 10% uh, knowledge, knowing what to do, but it's 90% discipline. And one of the things that knocks people's discipline out one of the things that knocks people's momentum out is they keep paying all this money on all their credit card and they never see any changes. He said, but there's something mentally that happens to you when you pay the minimum payment on everything else and throw all of your extra towards this one until it's just gone and it's out of the way. And all of a sudden your mind sees actual change and actual progress. And what does it do? It encourages you to go on to the next one in the line and be like, man, I'm knocking these out. I'm knocking these out. And what happens is it builds a momentum. You see progress. It's encouraging to see progress. Hallelujah. It's encouraging to see progress. And that's why. <clears throat> that the Bible even tells us, you know, they had just laid the foundation of the temple. That's what's so powerful about this story. They had just laid uh, the foundation of the temple. And that's why the Bible said, don't, or I'll read it to you from the ESV. This is Zechariah chapter 4 and verse 10. You know, they just, they had laid the foundation. Uh, and it says this. For whoever has despised the day of small things shall rejoice you and shall see the plumb line in the hand of Zerubbabel. And what are they so, what are they so excited about? They're excited. The Lord, the Lord, the people should rejoice because the Lord is happy to see the work begin. Just because it's a small win doesn't mean it's not a win. The Lord, the people should rejoice because the Lord is pleased to see the work begin. And so that's, that's how we need to be, is, is I don't care how small it is, start accomplishing your purpose little goal by little goal. You can go to Zechariah chapter 4, Bonnie, and read verses 6 through 10. Amen. God is pleased when the work starts. So it doesn't matter, even if you're making small, go, small wins every day, it's like that old adage, how do you eat an elephant one bite at a time? One bite at a time. I don't care how small it is. Why? Because just like this principle that Dave gave us is that as you see things being accomplished, as you see and understand, man, things are getting done. I'm moving towards my, my goal. I'm, pro, I'm progressing <clears throat> towards my goal. If you've ever gone back and listened to me teach about SMART goals or maybe you've read about it because you're in business and you understand what that acronym means, <clears throat> got goals <clears throat> are not truly effective until they become smart goals and have all of those <clears throat> things that the acronym, the acronym makes up attached to them. Well, one of them is that they're measurable. That's the second thing. And if they're not measurable, how can you know how much you've accomplished? You say, well, what's your goal? Well, my goal is to lose weight. That's not a goal. That's not a goal. It's not a goal until you define it, until it's measurable. Because you could lose a half an ounce and accomplish that goal, but I know that's not what you mean. I want to lose weight. I've lost one 
You know, it's like the goal that you should say, you know, is, is defined by something that's measurable. I want to lose, not just lose weight. I want to lose 30 pounds. That's a measurable goal. I want to lose 30 pounds. Because if somebody comes to you before and you say, well, I want to lose weight and you don't know how much say, well, have you accomplished your goal? Are you any closer? Well, I don't know. Cause I don't really know how much you want to lose. But when you have a measurable goal, you say, I want to lose 30 pounds. All right, I've lost five, 25 to go. You see the progress bar. You see the progress bar. And that's what I'm talking about here. Make progress no matter how small. Every day make progress toward your goal. And don't despise the day of small beginnings. Don't despise. Make that progress. Make that progress. Because when you see it happening, that's right, Yanil. That's why we write the vision. That's why we make it plain. That they may run that read it. I want to be able to run in the vision by knowing what the vision is. That's key. And so you write it down. And then you make progress. That's a strategy. Every day. What am I going to do to get closer to my goal? This is why people feel like nothing's changing. Nothing ever happens. Nothing's going forward. Well, there's a reason. Define your goal. What's the strategy? What are the practical steps you can take toward that goal, and then take them every day. And as you do, it fights off discouragement. It fights off all that that feeling of overwhelm because you can clearly see every day, I'm moving closer and closer to what God's called me to do. Every day, I'm moving closer and closer to what God's called me to do. It's powerful. So make progress no matter how small. Number seven, dream for the future. Dream for the future. I read a book one time called How Successful People Think. It's an excellent book if you want to pick it up. John Maxwell. But one of the ways that successful people think is with possibility thinking. If you only stay in the same routine and hamster wheel that you've ever been on for your entire life, you'll never break out and realize there's so much more possible in my life if I would just sit, pray, and imagine. Let, Let God fill your heart with visions for the future. Discover His purpose. Think what's possible. You know why most people don't um, ever think about what's possible? Is that they hang around people that just continually always do the same thing. Never try to break out of that. What if there's a better way? What if there's a higher thing you could do? What if there's something you could do that uh, produces more for you than has ever been produced for your family? You know, the, the title of the book is How Successful People Think. It's not even a long book. It's a small book, and it's excellent. It it defines all these different ways of thinking. I used to keep it in my briefcase everywhere I went, and if I was just sitting somewhere, I'd read some of it. Now it's on my phone. How successful people think. Well, one of those is possibility thinking. What's possible? What could I do? What could I do? What could we do that would be more beneficial? What could we do right now that would be even more uh, impactful for what, what we're called to be doing? You know, what's something that thinking, some people call it thinking outside of the box, but what, what's something that people have not thought of yet? Well, you know, you've got the Holy Spirit. He's your advantage. He can teach you all things. You know, what can we do that others aren't doing? <clears throat> it's, it's a powerful way to think. But when you begin to dream, it, it moves you out of that uh, mess of discouragement and sits you th- thinking, man, this is what's possible. These are the things that are, are possible in my life. I could do this. And you start, it's, it's not a fantasy. It's you having a dream and a vision for the future that God will put in your heart. Greater than I've ever been. 
What if I could do this? What if I could do this? And you continue to keep your eyes on what's possible, not on what's happening right now. Where you're headed, not where you are. Get that in your spirit. Where you're headed, not where you are currently. Praise God. Number eight. (laughs) This is an interesting one. Make yourself laugh. Make yourself laugh. Surround, you know, it's an interesting thing. We know that the Bible says that the joy of the Lord is our strength. Nehemiah 8.10, the joy of the Lord is our strength. A merry heart does good like a medicine, but a broken spirit dries up the bones. So number eight, laughter better be a part of your life in some way or another. I don't want anybody around me that's always irritating me. You know, you have control over who's around you. You have control over who has access into your life. Why would I want anybody around me that's always discouraging, that's always irritating, that always living in drama? Find a way to make yourself laugh. I don't care if that's watching funny movies, surrounding yourself with people that that you enjoy, that, that make you laugh when you talk to them. Right? Um, it's very important. There was a man that uh, was really going through it, that, that was a friend of our family, is a friend of our family, was really battling in his ministry, really battering, battling in his church. His church had come after him, past, his pastoring, but he was, was literally discouraged. You know, felt like maybe on the verge of a nervous breakdown. And my dad said, why don't you come down here and stay with me for a little bit? And uh, just stay here at the house. And so he came. And he came. I remember I was a boy. And he came and he needed help. And so my father had him come. And when he stayed, I remember thinking to myself like, man, I wonder what my dad is going to uh, do. You know, is he going to lay hands on him? Is he going to anoint him with oil? You know, I, I remember he's going to pray in tongues over. I remember you thinking that, like, what's dad going to do? And then I watched at what my dad did do. And we would just hang out, eat dinner. And after dinner, we'd go into the living room and he'd kick back. And the, my dad would put on like the three stooges or he'd put on, you know, Bob Hope and Bing Crosby or the <coughs> Abbott and Costello. <coughs> Funny movies, funny shows, something, I don't know, early days of Jim Carrey before he went insane. Um, Just put something on and and watch it. And I mean, this man would howl. He would laugh and laugh and laugh, howling. Oh, and he would just, I mean, just cracking up and I'm watching. And this is the method. (laughs) This is the method. And I'm watching, <laughs> I think I put it in the first book I ever wrote, um, Praise, Laugh, Repeat. And I, this, the heading of the chapter, I think, was the, the healing ministry of the Three Stooges. And I tell this story on how he just laughed and laughed and laughed. And li- when I tell you, <clears throat> he literally left our house changed. And he'll still tell you to this day, I was changed. Something hit me. I was changed. And I mean, though the enemy wanted to take him out, the enemy wanted to take him out, 
something flipped. He was totally changed. Joy hit him. And he went back and still ministering today powerfully, preaching the gospel, seeing souls saved, people healed, setting up his tent around the country, preaching the gospel under the tent, still ministering today. And that's when I was a little boy and now I'm 40 and he's still ministering. Though the devil wanted to take him out back then, joy set him back on on course, removed discouragement, removed overwhelm, all those things. And the joy came on him. They've proven now. What happens in your body? You know, some of you you should do a a study on this. Just do your own research. What happens in your body chemically when you're laughing? What is released in your body when you're laughing, when you're happy? (laughs) I think, now don't quote me on this. Do the research. I'm telling you to do the research. I think I remember reading, but I don't have the statistic, that your body doesn't know the difference internally when you're actually laughing and when you're making yourself laugh, that your body itself does not know the difference from the reaction. So literally, serotonin, there it is. So if I literally just sat here like, (laughs) that's all fake. It's not real. But if I just sat there and made myself laugh, my body doesn't know the difference. People are getting on it now. Serotonin. Serotonin. Yes. Read about it. Read about the effects when that serotonin, which God created, is released into your physical body. When your body produces serotonin. And your body doesn't know if you're laughing. (laughs) It's fake. It's not a real laugh. Nothing funny. But literally, when you laugh, what if you... I know it's true, AJ. I said that too about Proverbs uh, it's amazing when science catches up with God's wisdom. I said that about Proverbs thirteen twenty two for years, and I agree with you. <clears throat> you know, it's funny when you go to the doctor, like, doctor, I'm stressed. You need to just find some things to do that make you happy. Oh, here, there's, here's a bill for $1,300. <laughs> it's like, yeah, uh, literally, I could have read that in the word of God. A merry heart does good like a medicine. A broken spirit dries up the bones. And I'm not claiming that if I fake laugh, you know, that I'm somehow engaging the joy of the Lord. But I am telling you that something happens when you laugh. I'm telling you, do the research. Do some Googling. Read some, read some things on Healthline or whatever you want. WebMD. What happens when you laugh? That's why the devil wants to steal your joy. The devil wants to steal your joy. Ben said, my laughter at your laughing is real, though. <laughs> that was real laugh. <laughs> and I'm, I'm seriously, I mean, people don't laugh enough, to be honest with you. People don't laugh enough. Oh, yeah. You know, said, I feel peace after even that, even when you're, when you're laughing. Of course. Laughter. A joyful heart. A merry heart. It's like medicine to your body. Well, now science is catching up with that. It's catching up with that. And so people need to spend time daily in that joy. In that joy. It changes things, man. I'd like to know. I'm going to do a study on this myself because I'd like to know if you just sat around and laughed for, for 10 minutes, made yourself laugh five to 10 minutes, and if your body doesn't know the difference, I wonder how much serotonin you could release into your body just by sitting around and laughing. <laughs> I would like to know that because 
It's amazing that that's something God created in your body. It releases endorphins that cause pleasure in the brain. Interesting. Very interesting. (laughs) I like those laughs. I I like when you laugh so hard. I like the kind when you're like so engaged and your friends, something happens and you're talking about it. I like the ones when you're, you laugh so hard that you pee a little. <laughs> I, I'm telling you, I remember one time we were with the Festival of Life team. We were in West Virginia and we were at uh, like a Fridays after the, after the service at night. And somebody had texted and said like, you guys need to read an Amazon review. And, uh, and it was an Amazon review of the Haribo sugar-free gummy bears. And, uh, I was like, I'm going to read these to the table. And so we had like a table for like 20 people. And I pulled up the Amazon review of, uh, of these, of these Haribo or Haribo, however you say it, uh, sugar-free gummy bears and how they were wreaking havoc on people's stomachs for whatever that the sugar-free element is in those gummy bears wreaking havoc on people's stomachs. And I started reading the reviews to the table. We were all laughing so hard. We had tears coming down our faces. I mean, tears were coming down our faces. And literally, <laughs> it, was so, it was so funny. You just get in this state of like, you, you know what it's like. You know what it's like, Maddie wrote. I remember my friend telling me a funny story and I fake laughed and my body didn't know the difference and I couldn't stop real laughing because her fake laugh made her real laugh. Uh, yeah, <clears throat> you laugh so hard you feel like you worked out your abs. Your stomach hurts. Oh, stop. I can't. My stomach. Just laugh. Laugh at the devil. Laugh at every lie. Laugh at every deception. Laugh what he tells you is going to happen in the future. Laugh at the plans of the Antichrist. Laugh. Do what God does and laugh. The Bible says wicked, plan- wicked men make plans. But God laughs in heaven because he knows their day of judgment is coming. Laugh. Laugh at every wicked plan of the enemy. Just laugh. Just laugh. And I'm telling you, laugh by faith if you have to. Laugh by faith if you have to. But take, take time every day and laugh. <laughs> I will ask Pastor Mark how that works. But just take time and laugh. And then finally, number nine before we pray. Praise God every day. That truly, that is the entrance into his presence. So we started this with thank God, now we're finishing it, praise God. Praise God every day, because truly that is, truly that is the quickest entrance into God's presence. Lena said, Ted Ted Sr. laid hands on me a few years back and just said hallelujah. Before I was able to exit the church doors, I burst out in laughter and was crying how hard I was laughing, couldn't even breathe. Joy of the Lord hit you. <clears throat> and so, begin to praise God on a daily basis. God inhabits the praises of Israel. Psalm 22, 3. We are spiritual Israel. We've been grafted in. God inhabits the praises of his people. He dwells in, lives in our praises. And in his presence is fullness of joy. Hallelujah. Leslie said at our last night's, uh, last women's meetings, we laughed so hard at the devil, we kept saying he's so stupid, he has no power over us all night, all the way into Sunday service. Just laughing at the devil. Just laughing at the devil. Take time to praise God. 
You know, we take time to pray, but have you take time to praise? Have you taken time to praise? If you've not done it, do it. If you've not done it, take time and just block out 30 minutes of your day to just praise God for his. If you've got to write things down, write them down and praise him for them. And just take that time. And as you're praising him, as you're magnifying him, he inhabits those praises and joy comes with him. So you don't have to fake laugh. You can literally praise him until you're in his joy and then you can laugh for real. The joy of the Lord becomes your strength. These are practical steps. Discouragement, everybody faces discouragement at some point. But you got to learn how to combat discouragement. It's one of the main reasons, think about this. It's one of the main reasons people leave the ministry. Do you know that? People that were pastors, evangelists, whatever, they'll leave the ministry and quit and go do something else, work a secular job. They got too discouraged in the ministry. They got discouraged by who was, uh, how people were treating them, how things were going. They got discouraged. They just threw in the towel and quit. If you will keep yourself in a place of encouragement, you'll never quit. You'll never back off your purpose. You'll never back off your calling. You can move forward and never quit. You stay encouraged. You stay encouraged. If there is anybody today that's battling discouragement, listening or watching, maybe you're even watching the replay, I'm going to pray for you. Father, I come to you in the mighty name of Jesus. I thank you that you have given us a generation of people that are hungry. We're not looking at those that are falling away because their hearts have grown cold. We're talking about the remnant that stay hungry. We're thankful for them, Lord. Now, Lord, those that are working on your behalf, you've called them, you've purposed them, and the devil knows it. And he wants them to quit. He's lied. He's deceived. He's trying to get us to stop what we're doing. I take authority over that discouragement in Jesus' mighty name. I loose the joy of the Lord, the peace of God to your precious people today. Lord, I ask you in the mighty name of Jesus to loose the oil of joy on your people today. As your word declares in Hebrews chapter 1 regarding Jesus. Because he loved righteousness and hated wickedness. God, his God, has poured out upon him the oil of gladness. Let that same oil of gladness come upon us today in Jesus' mighty name. Let the oil of joy, the anointing of joy, come upon us today in Jesus' mighty name. We thank you. We give you praise for that. We thank you, Lord. No weapon formed against us can be allowed to prosper. In the mighty name of Jesus Christ, we give you all the glory We give you all the praise. Thank you for what you've already done in our lives, but thank you for what you're about to do. We give you honor and we give you praise for your goodness in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Hallelujah. If you receive it, throw some fire up into the comments. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. I feel the anointing on that today, man encouragement from the Lord. We're getting ready to run harder in the second half of the year than we ever ran in the first half. I look down, I can't believe we're already halfway through April today. We're going to run hard in the final quarters of this year. Fourth quarter, third quarter, second quarter, we're running hard. I feel the anointing on that, man. We're going to another level. This is going to be a year of pure manifestation and testimonies. It's our year of divine possession. We'll do what we've never done. We'll go where we've never gone. We'll have what we've never had in Jesus' mighty name. In Jesus' mighty name. 
Well, you know I've, I've, what I've been encouraging you in the month of April. Those of you that are standing with us, in fact, I want you to put that $1,000 slide up, Maddie. Those, if, you've, if you're standing with us, I'm giving this to $1,000. Everybody that's sowing $1,000 or more to help us do what we're called to do around the world. We're preaching the gospel every week in 180 nations of the world. We're going to send you this package for those that are sowing 1000 or more. It's the Net Study Bible, 60,000 translators notes. A shepherd looks at Psalm 23. And the Holy Spirit, my senior partner by Dr. David Youngie Cho, pastor of the largest church in the world. And uh, if you're standing with us at 1000 or more this month, that's what we're going to be sending you. Uh, anything you decide to sow this month, we're going to be a blessing to you and say our thank you. If you'd like to receive it after you've sown, go to miracleword.com forward slash offer and uh, you can get that. You can come back to me, Maddie. Uh, the way to give is on the screen. You can go to miracleword.com and uh, all the digital ways to give are there. All the other ways, <clears throat> if you have supreme trust in the United States Postal Service, which I do not, you can even mail a check and we'll receive it. <laughs> and I say thank you. Thank you, Violet. I say thank you to everybody that's sewing. I'm so happy that it is Good Friday. I'm so happy that Jesus went to the cross. I'm so glad that he was sacrificed. I'm so glad that his blood was poured out. I'm so glad that he canceled the debt and the penalty for our debt, the sins that were on the world. Thankful. He canceled it by nailing it to the cross, Colossians says, Colossians chapter 2. By nailing it to the cross, today's the day we celebrate that. He went to the cross, took stripes upon his back, took nails in his hands, a crown of thorns on his head, pierced in the side, beaten beyond recognition. Did all of that for you and for me. So very thankful for what Jesus did. Powerful. And we're going to celebrate it tonight. I hope you are going to church. I hope there's a, a Good Friday service where you are that's not an online service, that's not a socially distanced service, that's not a masked up service, that's not a 25% capacity service. If it is, find another church. Go somewhere where the power of God is moving and uh, watch what God will do. I'm so very excited. It's going to be a great weekend as we celebrate Jesus. And then Sunday, the resurrection. Cannot wait for uh, this resurrection Sunday morning. It's going to be great. I love you guys so very much. Don't forget, Carolyn's live at 2. She'll be back with you. And then I'll be back with you Monday morning, 10.30 a.m. as usual. Have a powerful uh, Easter weekend, and I'll talk to you again very soon. Later. Now that's the stuff leaders should be made of.